episode 163, Six Ways to Succeed as a Leader. You're listening to the very best podcast in the world on health, wealth, and happiness. Please remember to leave a review and share with all your friends and family. And here is your host, Lars Hilson. And a three, and a two, and a one, and a six ways to succeed as a leader. Welcome to the very best podcast in the world. Your only source in the universe for personal supremacy through health, wealth, and motherfucking happiness. Uh, how do we get here? <laughs> I don't know. Um, anywho, uh, still have the sniffles uh, because the pollen are pollinating. We're doing whatever. So nope, no coke. Sorry to have to disappoint you. Um, housekeeping. Uh, shall we get that off the table, please? Uh, sharing is caring. Uh, I think that's, uh, I promised to bug you at the beginning of the year, every single fucking episode, uh, in that, you know, if this episode is good for you, good, because you're a loyal subscriber, hopefully so. If not, shame on you. If you are not a loyal subscriber yet and came across this episode by chance, uh, please, you know, consider, uh, the people in your surrounding and whether or not, uh, it may be beneficial to share this episode with them simply because sharing is motherfucking caring. <laughs> now that we have that off the table, today's topic is leadership. And, um, so, you know, there are six things that I kind of picked out, which coincided with what I'm in. And I'm gonna try to stick with two examples per well, what do you call it? Action item for lack of better words, or, you know, ways in that you can just become, um, a better leader or what good leadership is really about. So, uh, number one is going to be inspiring commitment. Number two, leading employees. Number three, strategic planning. Number four, change management. Number five, employee development. And number six, which I think should be number one is self-awareness because I think everything kind of stands and falls with being self-aware, obviously not only in the leadership position, but we'll get to that in other episodes. Sorry, had a devious cough that I, <laughs> that I had to get rid of. I didn't cut the episode. I never do really actually. So, uh, that being said, um, number one, let's get started, uh, inspiring commitment. So, um, I think there it's, uh, recognizing others achievement, right? And if you're a leader and not the boss person, uh, we have to differentiate the two, um, as a leader, you're going to be putting your team in the spotlight. You know, you're going to focus around your team because a boss is, you know, like this, I don't know, son, which, you know, everybody kind of orbits around, but, uh, they never really acknowledge what their team did for them. It's like, you know, the thing, right? <laughs> you work for your boss and your boss kind of gets all the, all the glory and the shine, you know, from the sun being the sun and everything. Right. Um, so, uh, as a leader, however, it's more about, 
you know, being, putting your team at the center of attention because you wouldn't have been able to achieve all of that by yourself. You know, I mean, you can be honest or you can deny it. You will deny it if you're a boss person, but if you're a leader, you know, you acknowledge your team and all the effort they put into it. And that at the end of the day, you were just a coordinator putting all the strings together. And that's what motherfucking counts, right? Motivating your team, I think, is self-explanatory because a motivated team is going to deliver more strings for you to put together and longer strings and uh, more colorful strings and I don't know what. Uh, but it's going to be easier for you to intertwine everything. And, uh, you know, motivation goes a long way in, uh, you know, getting work done most efficiently, but most importantly, with a very, very high degree in quality. Number two, leading employees kind of goes hand in hand here. <laughs> Delegate effectively. And I think that's what a lot of people in kind of these management guru training bullshit setups learn to misinterpret. You know, it's like, uh, we did an episode about that. You know, you can go all in, right? But if you delegate getting, uh, if you delegate to your secretary to get you a fucking cup of coffee, you're missing out on a variety of things. Number one is exercise. <laughs> you can use it usually, right? You don't have to go to the gym if you've already burned 200 calories running to the coffee machine 400 times per day. You know, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. But it also lets you miss out from the polite conversations you can have with people hanging around at the coffee machine, which usually takes away tons of time out of your agenda for fucking meetings that you have to set up and attend. You know, you can, it's like this, you go to the coffee machine, you meet whomever, you know, it's like, you need to talk to that person, right? In And this informal setting, you can just get shit done without any, you know, minutes being taken, without 10 people being present or a dozen, you can just kind of beef it out at the coffee machine and it's done, you know? And that's kind of like what uh, effective delegation actually boils down to. Now, uh, the second example I wanted to bring forward in, you know, leading employees is to act with fairness. Always, bitch. Always. There is no reason on earth that you should be unfair. And if you are unfair because you didn't pay attention, because you were emotionally fucked up and, you know, chewed somebody out which didn't deserve it, there is no reason on earth not to go to them and say that you're sorry, right? Because at the end of the day, what it's about, if you were in an emotional state, you know, which you were aware of, that kind of kills everything. And you still didn't take appropriate countermeasures, right? To get yourself back into a balanced emotional state, you are the one who fucked up right? There's no reason to chew out an employee for a mistake they made because at the end of the day, you as the leader are going to get, you know, the brownie points discharged <laughs> from your chart because you are the one who fucked up as their leader, right? I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Number three, strategic planning. Uh, this is kind of interesting because it's about translating vision into reality. And we've been through that right? Uh, I think we even did an episode about that. That's what leaders actually do. <laughs> you know? And uh, it's like having 
a vision brought to you and making that into reality together with your motivated team. And everybody's got a balanced emotional household. <laughs> Boy, what a wonderful fucking world. Um, the second example is to plan long-term. That's what you are as a leader, a strategic planner. And therefore you have to plan long-term and you have to be good at chess because you have to anticipate all of the bullshit that can kind of trip your, <laughs> trip you on the way or the potholes that you're going to run into and change the tire and, you know, that kind of shit, all the legal stuff that can get in your way. You know, you need to be very, very, very good friends with the corporate shysters. I know it's difficult, but you know, still having a coffee with them at the coffee machine can take away a lot of your stress and make your long-term plans actually turn into fruition. Turn into fruition is that, I don't know, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so, number four, change management. Um, facilitating organizational adoption, right? That sounds so out there, uh, but it's not. Um, organizational adoption, you know, facilitating organizational, I'm not going to go into that. Look it up, you know, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, it's rather theoretical. I don't know why I took that example in there really honestly. So let's get to the second example, which is managing resistance to change. Now, uh, for those observant listeners of you, um, I went, uh, I did a lot of time in management consulting. And that was a reason for me to quit the hamster wheel. But uh, what always, 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 always happened was resistance to change. Uh, we've always done it this way. It's worked perfectly. And, you know, the arguments are infinite. The bullshit that you're going to get as resistance that why, you know, why you shouldn't implement change is like, okay, you know, I heard all of them three times at least. And I think I'm going to actually write a book about that because what it's about really is to motivate, right? To, um, yeah, to motivate the organization, right? In a way that the project that you're doing, right? Or the plan that you have is to get the people psyched about it. So it's about, don't call it change, right? That's the first thing. Call it an improvement of whatever. Call it our new route to 2030, you know, or 2035. Where do we want to be? Why do we want to be there, right? Because your average Joe Blow, which is not on your team, but, just, but who's going to be subject to the change, right? They're going to be affected by it. It either means more work or they have to adopt to new shit or they have to learn shit and, and, you know, all that kind of good stuff, right? And it takes, it, it takes them out of their routine and they're not there for that. They're there for the routine. You know, they do their routine, you know, 40 hours a week and then they get their paycheck and then they come back on Monday and do the same shit all over. Right. And that's difficult for them to process. So it's, you know, it's about staying the way that you are, but kind of tweaking a little bit. And that leads us back to the long-term plan where you can kind of overrun them, right? This resistance. So number one, of course, is how you're going to market the change. And the first thing in that is don't call it change, <laughs> right? To not 
get the resistant ghosts up and running. It's about actually calling it something entirely fucking different and then kind of tweaking on the screws along the way, implementing it slowly. It's like, you know, the frog that you boil in hot water. Was it a Hummer? I, I don't know. Um, or a lobster. That's the English word. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> lost in motherfucking translation. Number five, employee development. Coach to improve performance. And you should set aside a budget for every employee for um, personal development. And I don't mean personal development, sending them to some kind of psych school or something, but to actually learn and improve skill sets that they have or that they want to learn, right? And if they use them in their private time, so fucking what? The benefit that you're going to have is going to be significant, right? Let me give you an example. Um, I, when I was in school um, and I had somehow obtained a degree in uh, electronics um, or electrical engineering, I think is what it's called. Um, and so I would work at uh, an electrician company during vacations, right? And um, what this electrician guy, and it was a pretty big outfit for the region that I grew up in, right? And uh, what he would let his employees, he, was let, he would let his employees use the company cars to work um, off the record, <laughs> uh, you know, for friends and family and whomever not, um, over the weekend, uh, just because, not necessarily because he was a good person, right? Because they would obviously use their tools and, you know, things would get, but um it was about getting them in to, uh, to develop themselves further and to use the material, uh, the tools that they had to excel in new challenges and not to lose sight of the minor things, right? So let me to f do the example. What we would do there is usually industrial stuff, right? Big companies that we would outfit with new wiring. And, you know, it was a totally different ball game than from going to uh, uh, Aunt Ginny's house and fixing or, you know, putting in a new socket for her in the wall because she needed one next to her recliner right? Two different mindsets, but it kept them connected. So, and still, you know, they would have the motivation that would motivate them totally, uh, and get them to be willing to accept trainings and, you know, development, et cetera, et cetera. How did I get there? I don't know. I forgot. <laughs> you, um, the second example here is providing guidance and encouragement. And I think where that example would fit there as well right? You're, uh, however good you are at what you do, usually you're going to be good if you're in a leadership role. Uh, it's about not providing guidance in that, you know, <laughs> you know, how's your wife doing or something, but being there as a, as a mentor, you know, and developing your employees further and encouraging them in pretty much every life situation, because yeah, you know, uh, the husband or the wife can be an idiot. And so that leads to, uh, you know, the motivation kind of crackling a bit for a lot of people. And uh, in that, it's very important to be there as a person to talk to, to be approachable, right? And to deal with the shit and to actually, you know, be hands-on 
and uh, you know help with your network if something like that arises. Stupid example: um, one of my guys was uh, having trouble with uh, with the uh, agency responsible for childcare, divorced from his wife, and um, I met him um, by chance at a party somewhere, and uh, he was you know pretty much hammered. And I said, "What the fuck is the matter with you?" You know, you're going to be okay on Monday, right? The thing you ask. And he was like, uh, my wife told the uh, the childcare agency that, you know, I was being bad to the kids. And I knew that he wasn't. His wife was exaggerating, right? But it led to the fact that he was having difficulty seeing his kids. So I knew the lady that was working for him. And, you know, I've called her uh, on, on Sunday uh, and we met for coffee and I said, look, you know, there's this, these arguments being made there. And I, I just want to vouch for, him. you know, I think that the arguments brought forth are not really, um, you know, don't really have a foundation. And anyhow, so I dealt with his shit and on Monday, everything was cleared up by noon, I think. And the guy came, you know, back, he wasn't feeling so well, obviously a little bit under the weather and the weekend was hazy, but, uh, <laughs> it was, it was a very good situation because he came, you know, came in late, but had his big fucking smile on his face because he got a call from the, from the lady and, uh, his problems had been kind of alleviated. So he was back at 110% focus on point where I really needed him to be. Number six, self-awareness. And uh, I think, you know, again, this is the most important one in it. And um, uh, two examples are really, you know, recognize personal limits. And that's, I think, a no-brainer. Uh, but still, you know, for me, um, the moment I was, I was on a project, and uh, it was one project that I was doing. And I was doing, I think, three or four projects simultaneously on two and a half continents. And uh, I woke up in a hotel in Singapore, um, not because I was, you know, drunk or, or, you know, whatever, uh, it was just because I was just so fucking exhausted. And it took me a minute in the middle of the night to figure out where on the planet I actually fucking was. And that was for me where I said, okay, look, you know, you're, <laughs> you, you could be dead in, in your mid fifties and, uh, you know, all of the shit that you've kind of done, you can't take with you, you know? And so that's when I said for myself or determined that, I need to change something in my life and step a bit shorter and actually did because that's the recognition that rec after recognition comes execution. <laughs> that's the, that's another very important point as a, as a leader, right? Now learning from mistakes, I'm not going to go into that because that should be a no brainer. Um, every mistake that you make, uh, is a lesson to be learned. Look at it that way. You know, don't, because mistakes, you know, everything along that line has a very negative connotation. Uh, chances are that if you fuck up somewhere and make a mistake, you're not going to do it again, right? So it's a lesson learned because you're not going to do it again. It's about phrasing. We did an episode about that really a while ago. Um, you should maybe look into that. Those were, ladies and gentlemen, six characteristics of a leader. Uh, or six ways to make you a leader, or whatever the title was that I started out with. I can't remember. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> anyhow, long story short, um, have a nice rest of the day. Uh, if you already had the rest of your day, uh, have a good night. Leave your hands above the blanket. And uh, tomorrow, um, we're going to be back for another show where I haven't really 
figured out a title yet. So in that sense, stay tuned and peace out.